Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. This is Neil Daigle-Oriens. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Yay. And we have um, a guest in the... We have a guest in the studio we today. Do, yeah. uh, I mean, she's not going to say anything because yeah, yeah. we're oppressing her. <laughs> no, so if, uh, we have our puppy, Oph, Ophelia, um, is going to be joining us. So if you hear any uh, weird noises like panting or... That's me. That's or, actually just me. Or like like nails walking across the floor like click clacking also me this That's... doesn't <laughs> but it could be ophelia too it could be. so we don't know. just um yeah so before we dive into this week's uh episode we wanted to plug something that we are not getting paid to plug but are happy to do so and i wish we were getting paid <laughs> i oh yeah God. i do too i do too um but, but it's something we've both been digging a lot in the last few weeks and uh, we wanted to to share it with you to make sure that you're listening to it too. It's Superfruit. Superfruit. And uh, their EP Future Friends Part mm-hmm. 1. Superfruit, for those of you who don't know, are um, Mitch, last name, and Scott Hoying. Grassi. <laughs> I, didn't, I wanted to say Degrassi, and I was like, no, no that can't be right. No. Um, but they are mem- founding members of the acapella group Pentatonics. Um, but they are better on their own i'm kidding or am i um but they're also good friends with Tadric hall did mm-hmm. you know that like like no chi- i didn't yeah they're like childhood friends with Tadric oh hall, my god that's awesome which is why they Tadric like awesome occasionally work with each other and know yes. each other and things like that yes um so yeah they're just these two little gay boys who sing very nice songs yes and like i'm not lying i, I think I don't know if the podcast world knows this, but my my social media world and my people in my life know this, that I am like a major CRJ warrior and CRJ is Carly Rae Jepsen. I am deeply committed to justice for Carly Rae Jepsen and her music. The gospel of Carly I spread the gospel. And so like, because I also, I, because I love, I love like really fun pop music and I'm completely obsessed with Future Friends Part mm-hmm. One and these pop songs—they're perfect mm-hmm. and wonderful and amazing. And I have been like at work. I'm sitting at my desk and uh, just minding my own business, and I'll just be like, "I get so hurt." And Jennifer, my coworker Jennifer, is like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what the hell are you doing?" Um, um, can we unpack this for a moment? Yeah, sure. Um, does that include like when when you were younger? Did that include like boy bands? Like like did you have an in sync phase? Did I you... did. I had an in, I had a new kids on the block phase, did like you a have hardcore a, a one. Spice Girls. Was Spice I did have a Spice Girls phase. Yes. Okay. Madonna, Tiffany, Debbie Gibson. These were. I've always been super obsessed with pop music, um, particularly girl pop. Somebody's and, gotta be. Yeah, like. I mean, I, I I think that Britney Spears' first album, Baby One More Time, is one of the best pop albums of all time. Like, those songs are perfect, top to bottom. And Christina Aguilera's, with that whole genie in a bottle, Come On Over, that those songs are sublimely perfect in mm-hmm. every way, as is Emotion. But I think, I think Future Friends Part 1 is also equally awesome. These songs are so... Great. And what's even nicer about it, and you will agree with me, like they're queer. The songs, they're, I mean, they're queer, yes, but the songs are queer too. Mm-hmm. Like it's really refreshing to me to hear guys singing pop songs about wanting guys. I well, love it. There's even a song like called Sexy Ladies, and it's all about like supporting women. And it's all about like, yes, like, having a good time with women and like just, just like on that level, on that right. like non 
heterosexual level just being like sexy ladies like yes you're sexy because you're a lady because that's how it works you right just, you're you're sexy because you are empowered and because you love yourself right um and, and we're gonna party tonight i love i love it so if you are not listening to Superfruit, you need to go immediately after you listen to our episode and um buy their ep do what you have to do to support them they're awesome they're and, releasing uh, a whole bunch of music videos yeah for their they're songs great too and they're really great and really gay mm-hmm. and diverse yeah like so they're so hey it. guys they're if, doing it well hey Superfruit, come on the show hey we could be future friends we could be <laughs> yes yeah, come let us be your future friends let us be your future right friends. you need some bears in your life so come on <laughs> Come on, Superfruit. I mean, the the cartoon guy in the original um, um, Bad for Us video that mm-hmm. uh, Mitch was paired off at the end was kind of bearish. Yeah, but we're like we're like we're like more traditionally understood bears. Yeah, we're not animated for starters. Right, we're not animated. We're but anyway, really, we love we love your album, and we cannot wait for part two to come out. And uh, go listen to Superfruit and Future Friends Part One. Okay, so on to the the episode. Um, this is not as fun as talking about Superfruit. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, there's a lot of gay stuff happening this week. Gay stuff happened this week. Well, I guess gay stuff happens every week. I mean, it's a week. <laughs> right. So this week, um, our president, uh, 45, number 45, uh, issued a series of tweets about the military. I don't know if you've heard about them. Probably you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in these tweets, uh, he did something totally debaggish, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about it. So here are the tweets that uh, our president, number 45, uh, he who will not be named, um, tweeted. Uh, After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical cost and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. That was three tweets, too. That was was three tweets that he tweeted. Um... And uh, it is, of course, incredibly was like deeply offensive to every trans person, I'm sure, and and deeply offensive to a lot of queer people as well. Um, I guess I wanted to start by like unpacking the tweets because there are things in there that I just to specifically talk about. Um, one, I appreciate that he said thank you. That was polite. Is that the first time he's ever of said him? thank you? I don't know. Maybe. Potentially. But I like that he was like, you know, hey, trans people, you don't matter. You don't matter at all. But thank you. Thank you for the time. Um, it's uh, I, and I, I love in the second. It's This is in like the. Yeah, this is in the second tweet. Um, <laughs> that kind of blowhard language that he uses all the time. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be bigly, and it's like the most tremendous and everything. That that is that to me just seems the sign of like some some person who really doesn't know what they're talking about, and they're just adding adjectives to things to make the thing sound more. Got to study for the ACT at some point. Like I supposedly so, but. Zeroing in then on the the notion that the reason trans people shouldn't be allowed in the military, uh, the tremendous medical costs, 
were one. They're, they're tremendous, like mm-hmm. everything else. And disruption. Well, disruption that transgender. He doesn't specify what necessarily because transgender is an adjective. It's not a noun mm-hmm. um, that the, the transgender something in the military would entail. Uh, but disruption, that they are disruptive. Um, and of course, people lost their minds about this. Um, mm-hmm. It was noted in a lot of reports that the medical cost, the tremendous medical cost that he talks about, uh, what, that, that the military spends, what, five times? No, it's even more than that, right? I don't know what you're referring oh, to. Oh, the military spends an, uh, many, many, many times more on Viagra oh. uh, than they do on any healthcare and medical things that are associated with trans military service people. Um, and uh, and then the question of disruption, which I think harkens back to a lot of, of old tropes about, um, you know, morale. You don't want to see like a gay dude looking at you in the thing or whatever, or that a, a soldier just simply their brains, their brains can handle going into combat and handling military things and potentially killing people, but they can't wrap their brain around a person being trans. Well, and why would they? Next to them, like that, that whole notion. Mm-hmm. Um and while the context in which we wanted to talk about this, because we, we, we said that we didn't necessarily want to talk about the intricacies of this because um, it's complicated and it's an ongoing thing. I mean, homo-nationalism and imperialism and fun stuff like that You're right. aside. All of that. What I thought was, what I thought was interesting about this uh, was some of the responses from really smart and, and generally socially aware friends of mine. And... I, th- I think it has a lot to do with fatigue of what's going on right now, like political and social critique fatigue. But the response to this was, hey, guys, like this is never going to be a thing that sticks. It's not going to really stick. It's not going to he's not really going to ban them. It's not really going to happen. It doesn't matter. Save your anger for more important things mm-hmm. because this isn't going to be a thing and it doesn't matter. And I understand that argument because, yes, it probably won't stick. And so there isn't necessarily a long fight coming that'll be focused on um, on like the legal side of this. Well, and he lied. He didn't actually like multiple um, generals in the military were like, um, I wasn't who, what? And they have even said we're not doing that. So like he even lied about it. He just said the thing, mm-hmm. right? And 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 many people and the the Joint Chiefs of Staff said that we're not going to change the way that we handle or deal with transgender service people. Um, many people from military retired generals have spoken out and said this is ridiculous and it, it, it's not going to stick. It just was a ploy to appeal to his base and all of those things. Um, but. Aside from that, I think there is a lack sometimes of people who are who engage in these conversations um, to realize that things like this, like this series of tweets about the military banning trans people in the military, have work on two levels. They work on two levels. Yes, one they work on on this sort of legal and and policy level where they're going to go you're going to go into the uh, the discussion about whether or not this can actually work as policy but there's also the other the cultural impact of things like this um and i think that is still valid even if transgender people aren't banned from the military mm-hmm. 
this act of number 45 uh, inflicts a cultural toll on the trans community, on the LGBT community, and then the community of supporters that he has. It is a it's a cultural message to the queer community that you are not valid, that your lives and your careers, your vocations are disposable. Well, and the word burden is like the key word there too. Right. It's, it's not just that all of that fun stuff. It's also just the fact that you are a burden. You, your, your needs are a burden. Whereas the other needs of, of veterans and the other needs of soldiers are not a burden, mm -hmm. even though they may or may not be more cost costly and your lives are a disruption yeah. your presence disrupts the the correct order of things the right order of the natural order of things so you are a disruption and those kinds of signals from that part from someone that high in our culture even though we don't necessarily think of him that high he, he holds up an incredible place of power those things have cultural power mm -hmm. they tell trans people something very specific. And it also I think it also tells queer people as a whole, you need to watch your back because we're going to come for parts of your community and we're going to come for you next. Mm -hmm. um, it's reminded me of something that happened in North Carolina in April. Um, North Carolina, which I think is kind of a state that's kind of like America's loud homophobic uncle. It's the one that like posts homophobic shit on Facebook mm -hmm. for you. Uh, North Carolina had a bill that was going to ban same-sex marriage. They were going to ban same-sex marriage in the state of North Carolina, and this was this past April. Um, the bill was called the Uphold Historical Marriage Act, and it said that the Supreme Court had overstepped its constitutional bounds and that the legislation that they were proposing would make same-sex marriage null and void in the state. Because that's how it works. Because that's right. Exactly. Now, the bill didn't get very far at all legislatively. It wasn't heard, and it was pretty much scuttled a day after it was announced. Mm -hmm. But like the trans ban, even if it wasn't going to be in law, it had done its job. Yeah. It had done its job. It said to people in North Carolina, queer people who are married, you don't count. We can, with a stroke of our pen, erase the validity of your relationship. Mm. Oh, and we're happy to do that. But not only that, but also we already believe that it's not valid. Right, it's right. That's not true. just the, the, the power to, but it's also just like, this is what we consider you. Right. And that has a powerful impact. Those things have deep cultural impacts on 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 queer people it, it also made me think too of um going all the way back into the 70s whenever uh this is like during for harvey milk he fought against the the bill that was being proposed to ban uh gay people from teaching, teaching yeah and you know when you think about it a bill like that impacts what a very small number of people in the gay community it impacts people who are gay who are also teachers. That's not a huge number of the community. Mm -hmm. But as a law, it has really deep, powerful impact on gay people everywhere. It says you're a danger to children. It's a tool to perpetuate myths about queer people, that queer people are dangerous to kids, that they're going to indoctrinate them, that they are going to like molest them, that, that we are predators. And it's... Though these sorts of things, while they don't succeed as law, do succeed in embedding very dangerous 
ideas about us into our community and our brains. And then on the other side, reinforces those powerful biases and hatreds in his in, in like the people who believe that stuff already. Mm-hmm. It, it validates them. Um, so like, I feel like this is kind of in, this now becomes a little bit of a continuation of our last episode's conversation about the value of representation. Oh, is that what we talked about? We did. It was so long ago. Yeah. It be our lack because we talked about representation and I think this drives home the point things like this things like the military ban right now the thing in north carolina uh, jeff sessions in the de- and the the justice department saying that that you know the same se- uh, that sexual orientation isn't covered by the civil rights act that you can't use it uh we're not going to protect you under the civil rights act because it isn't because sexual orientation is not protected. It's not something that we will protect and it's not covered. I think the weird thing about that specific case is that I thought that was established already. Like I I was I was under the impression that there is no federal um federal protections like sexuality is not considered a protected class, which is the reason why housing discrimination and employment discrimination exists so many places. Yes, that's true. The the, the announcement of that felt weird to me because it's like we already knew that we like like who thought otherwise who thought that that wasn't a thing well the previous administration was working under the assumption that it did oh it was using it to protect gay people saying the sexual orientation is basically gen- sexual orientation discrimination is basically gender discrimination which is protected by the civil rights and that was a lot of the um yeah. that was a lot of the uh, um majority uh, ruling of same-sex marriage mm-hmm. the opinion was they were looking at it as a gender issue and not yeah. a sexual orientation issue yes and so like these these acts um the these things are why representation matters because i think in some way representation a lot of ways, I think representation is the opposite of things like this. Positive representation of queer people in movies and television and in the world, if we see them in the world, it's the opposite of these kind of anti-queer actions that that make very strong cultural messages to us, send very strong cultural messages to us. They're the opposite. it's like that video. Did you see that video of of that little girl who is dressed as Wonder Woman who met, who went to like Comic Con, I guess, and met Gal. What, how do you pronounce her name? I think it's Gal Gadot. 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 Yeah, she's, um, she's not Cajun. You pronounce the T. I to- okay. Yeah, I totally. Pro- uh, that was a Cajun pronunciation. She's she's Israeli. She's and, oh okay. All right, all right, sorry, sorry, gal. Um, but yeah, who met her and the little girl was like crying because she was so excited to meet Wonder Woman and it was like really beautiful little moment that was captured. You know, for that little girl seeing Wonder Woman on a movie screen and having her exist in the world deeply deeply mattered it validated her in a really powerful way Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's why we spend so much time not only being angry and fighting against uh legislative and 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 legal attacks on our community but also the cultural ones too Mm -hmm. it's why there's the and this isn't this isn't queer but this is connected it's why things like the back rage again the backlash against confederate 
the HBO show. The HBO show. Which doesn't even exist yet. Which doesn't even exist, but but that conversation and these other moments of social outrage against things that are happening in pop culture, it's why they count. It's, I think it's why they matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and like lots of lots of the argument that I've heard and read on the internet about this whole situation is like actually like, well, good. So like talking about the problematic nature of the military and talking about imperialism and talking about all that fun stuff like it's a good thing um that trans people don't have to worry about getting drafted they don't have to worry about that kind of stuff um but a lot of that like like sure fine yes dandy that's great but also let's talk about the cultural impact like there is it's a very specific cultural thing and like yes it's it's already hard enough to be queer yes it's already hard enough we we already know that everybody's against us we we don't this isn't a surprise to anyone by any means um but it still sends a message and i think that's there's not enough where there's not enough discussion about what that message means and and how it's that's impactful um like like because yes yes we know we know that the world hates us we know that the the administration hates us we know that they don't believe that we deserve the rights that we have um or that we deserve rights that we don't have um we already know that but when they go out of their way to tell us that that does a thing it it doesn't just it doesn't just sit there it does a thing it it has an impact yes i i completely agree so it made me think this um many many moons ago when I was uh, dating someone else, not you. Who? <laughs> yes, there was somebody before you. Why? Uh, I know. It's so hard to believe. But many moons ago, I was I was dating someone. It was a really long relationship. It was like seven years. And so this is probably like four or five years into this relationship. We were living together. We were coming home one night from grocery shopping. And I mentioned to my partner at the time that I, think, I thought it would be cool if we maybe did some sort of like, if we had a wedding, if we got married and you know we we could do that and this is over 10 years ago so marriage equality is not even a thing but i was like what why don't we do that why don't why don't we do that um that should be a thing that we do and his only response was one of real confusion about why i would want that he said because and his answer very simple he's like but that's not a thing Mm-hmm. that's the end of it and that his response I, un- I completely understand it but it comes from an entire lifetime of cultural uh, of cultural messages that tell you that you can't have that thing and that becomes deeply buried inside you and it it shapes what you think your possibilities are all of these cultural messages like that's what they're doing they're they may not succeed as law but they they succeed at shaping what queer people think they can be and what's possible for them and what's accessible and open and what your what your possibilities are and i think if you can succeed in telling a community that their possibilities are deeply limited then they will they behave that way for one Self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling. They behave that way for one, and it allows you to maintain control over them. It allows you to exert, exert your power and continue to oppress and marginalize them. Because what are they going to fight? They're, they're, they're not going to fight because they believe this is just, this is just what you do. Mm-hmm. This is just the kind of life we live in. And um, I don't know. I feel like I too often hear people say, save your outrage for things that matter. 
that their people are tired of outrage and they're, you know, they're, they're tired of hearing people be mad about things. Mm-hmm. And I understand that when you say things that matter, you mean things like laws. And I agree, you're right. We should definitely conserve part of our energy to fight legal battles and law to make sure that the laws represent us and protect us and, and we have equal access to laws as, as a, that everyone else has access to. But the messages in, in our culture have impact too. And all the little things that we express outrage about matter because those things are impacting young queer people who are just at the beginning of their journey and they're, think, they're coming into the world and they're thinking this is what their world is. Or this, they could be thinking this is what your world includes mm-hmm. and this is what's possible for you. And I think we have a right to, we now we have a right, we have a responsibility to be equally upset about those things and fight those things. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Really? That's. I'm sorry. What am I supposed to say? Like, I don't know. Oh, let me, let me drop some deeper philosophy. That was a word. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean yeah, I think I think there's definitely um argument about um exhaustion um that is worth. But I mean that's why you pick your battles. And so the people who are getting upset about this and being vocal about it, great. Um but I think it's also okay to pick your battles and to con- and like if you need to conserve your energy like don't don't feel the need to talk about like that's kind of how mm-hmm. i live my life right now especially on social media where it's like i'm paying attention and i'm thinking and i'm having conversations in real life um but i'm not doing much about it on social media because it's just exhausting and it's like i have to also take care of myself like i i try to i try to um, be supportive of the people that i need to be supportive of but i I can't always do that because I also have to take care of myself. So, well, I don't, and I don't disagree with you because I do the same thing. I'm not, now I guess if you follow Mr. Beer, like, what are you kidding? You're mad about everything all the time. But I'm not really mad about everything all the time because there's an infinite supply of things to be mad about. And, and I, I agree. You, you do need to, you need to decide for yourself what, what fight you're willing to get. I think you should, Always sit the hell down when you start prescribing how other people should exactly use their energy. Exactly. When you start saying things like, I'm sick of all the I'm sick of outrage. I'm sick of people being mad at everything. Stop being mad at all the things. You need to care about this kind of thing. The minute you do that and start prescribing how people should be behaving and how people should be interacting with all the forms of marginalization that we encounter, then I think you're like blatantly, I think you're being an asshole. It's respectability politics. Yeah, I just think you're being an asshole and don't do it. Because um, I've and I've always thought too, anger is essential. Change doesn't happen when you're just by people being nice. Mm-hmm. You can't just be nice your way to justice. It doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way historically. Don't you remember the like American be nice to the British Revolution? Yes, and it was. You know, they all sat down. They had a nice general conversation about it. They treated each other people like human beings. The Civil War was incredibly nice. It was so 
Nice. Just handwritten letters back and forth. And then yes. suddenly the slaves were free. Right. Like, um, and then they got access hey, to education. My bad. LOL. JK. Yeah. Yeah. Slavery. JK. It's cool. No, we're cool. Y'all want to play Betrayal at House on the Hill? <laughs> Y'all want to come over and yeah. hang out? Yeah. I've just been thinking about that game. Um, but yeah, I like niceness and understand i do think that there is an important place for empathy and compassion and bridge making bridges and trying to make connections and make having teachable moments it's important i think for people to realize that in these conversations there there needs to be room and space for all of the responses nice peaceful ones and angry ones you know i don't see anybody who is like a really loud vocal political person ever saying, you know what? I think people need to be less nice. I think people need to stop being compassionate and focus on being angry. They don't say that Mm -hmm. they leave room for you to do that work. Well, and also like talking about a historical lens, we tend to see things as way, I mean, nicer first of all, but also we sent, we, we tend to see anger as being justified when only viewed through a historical lens. So like, we talk about the Boston Tea Party being something that's very widely celebrated when in reality, not only did people dress up in brownface and, you know, deface and ruin a bunch of product that was not theirs to begin with. Um, it was vandalism. It was stealing. It was theft. But we see that and we're like, yes, that is patriotic America's taxation represents. It's like, that's cool and all, but also those people owned people and thought that they were genetically superior people. Um, and then we look at like, let's go more recent. Let's look at Martin Luther King. People always try to drop that when they talk about black lives matter, especially. And it's like, let's actually look at historical editorial cartoons, um, that treat Martin Luther King and the protests as exactly the same as they do now. And they say, well, Martin Luther King never would have stopped a freeway. He did. He did. (laughs) He did multiple times actually. And like, sure. He like, like they, they try to focus on the idea of like peaceful protest and things like that. But it's like, Sure, they were being peaceful, but they were not being responded to with peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what's happening now. People right. might be being peaceful, but they're not being responded to with, with peace. So then when people start rioting, can you really blame them? Right. Can you really blame them? I'm sorry that the frog is jumping out of the pot and causing a ruckus before it starts boiling, but they're trying to get out before it starts boiling. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting assuming I'm alive 30 years from now to look back at this moment and see like, how are people responding? How, how are we talking about people being, you know, angry on Tumblr? Mm-hmm. How, how are we, how are we looking at that now knowing what we know now? Yeah. Um, so y'all just stop being dicks to the actual people who are doing things. Like, yeah, like, like angry people do things. What was it? Like, Sort of related. Amy Poehler said bitches get stuff done. Like, <laughs> sort of related. Like, barely related. Barely related, but yeah. But, you know, like, like angry people get stuff done. That's how the ADA exists. It's because of angry people. That's how we finally started eventually getting decent HIV AIDS programs. It's because a lot of angry people were very angry and very mm-hmm. loud about their anger. It, it didn't happen with niceties. No. Um, which it was part of it. Like it was part of it that those things did definitely exist. That's mm -hmm. not saying that it was only like, yes, 
but but anger is essential, and that that mm-hmm. the idea that it, it, it is it has to be essential. It's got to be part attention, uh, people's attention. Yeah. and then the niceties can come right once people are actually paying attention right. to the problems. But you absolutely need anger. Anger is essential. Mm-hmm. I was, so I've read this book recently called Justice. It's by a guy named Michael Sandel. He is at Harvard, and um, he is a he a political philosophy superstar rock star is what they call it political philosophy rock star that's not a thing to um, go on he's he's pretty incredible but in the book uh which is wonderful you should read it he has this, there's this one sentence and he describes outrage yeah, outrage is anger at injustice like that's what it is and i think through that lens anybody who di- who has a problem with outrage has a problem with the wrong thing. Like what? Are you not supposed to be mad? Right. When, are you uh, not supposed to be mad when something wrong happens to you? Yeah. Are you supposed to be like, oh, that's okay. I guess I'll just ask nicely yeah. that you don't stab me again. Right. Outrage is anger at injustice. And I think that's like a really beautiful idea. And any t- the next time that you're like irritated on Facebook because people are mad about something you don't particularly care about, sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sit down and remember they're they're angry at an injustice. And that matters, and that's mm-hmm. useful, um, and that's that's probably a good place to wrap up today. Did you hear her? Thank you, Ophelia. Yeah. Thank you for that. I've been holding on to her tail this whole time to keep it from hitting. Yeah, but I mean that's a good thing because that means she's yeah, happy. She's happy. She's happy to be here, uh, and so are we. Um, as always, we're really happy for everybody who continues to listen to the podcast. We are going to try very hard to be more regular in our podcasting we're taking habits po- we're taking podcast fiber supplements yeah. and podcast activity we're t- and and jamie lee curtis is helping us out yes in she her is. own unique way uh and we're gonna listen to super fruit because that that there's fiber there there is fiber there <laughs> see how we did that the whole that's good that's good term um as always we're really appreciative for everybody who listens to us and uh hopefully fingers crossed we'll be back next week no promises no problem but we're gonna try We'll see you then. Bye. You've been listening to Bearded Fruit, politics and culture through an intersectional queer lens. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to our website, beardedfruit.com, to get more info about this week's show and to check out some of our other web features, like our weekly Ask a Dad advice column, or our fruit stands section, which gives you ways to bring the bearded fruit conversation into your community. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit and on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And if you have some feedback on this week's episode, or questions to ask us, or just want to share an idea for an upcoming episode, give us a call at 860-785-0633. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for listening.